بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد إن المتقين في جنات ونهر في مقعد صدق عند مليك مقتدر So to continue our series our series on the Hikam of Ibn Ata'illah, the Book of Wisdoms, page, page 198. We are on Wisdom number 97. This is a very simple wisdom to read, but it incorporates very elaborate and a very complicated, sophisticated idea rather, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nurturing the human being. In fact, nurturing all of creation. So this is what Ibn Ata'illah says. He says, نِعْمَتَانِ مَا خَرَجَ مَوْجُودٌ عَنْهُمَا وَلَا بُدَّ لِكُلِّ مُكَوَّنٍ مِّنْهُمَا نِعْمَةُ الْإِجَادِ وَنِعْمَةُ الْإِمْدَادِ نِعْمَتَانِ مَا خَرَجَ مَوْجُودٌ عَنْهُمَا وَلَا بُدَّ لِكُلِّ مُكَوَّنٍ مِّنْهُمَا نِعْمَةُ الْإِجَادِ وَنِعْمَةُ الْإِمْدَادِ so when you hear it, it's going to be quite simple. The, the, there are two graces. There are two graces. He translates it as graces. It could be two bounties, two gifts, from which no being can be separated. Meaning there are two gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is for every single being. Whether he's a disobedient being, disbelieving being, rejecting being, denying being, whatever it is. There are two bounties and two graces from which no being at all, and that means humans or otherwise, can be separated. And they are inevitable for every creature, like absolutely necessary, because without that, the creature would not be a creature. The created being would not be a created being. It wouldn't be existent. It's the very thing that allows it to be what it is. Otherwise, it'd be nothing. It would be unexistent. It wouldn't come into the realm of existence. It would never have been known. What are these two? The grace of existence. And number two, the grace of sustenance. Uh, in simple words, the gift of being here. The gift of having being here if, it, if they've gone. The gift of being present, being existent. And number two, the ability to continue existing. So the ability to exist, and then the ability to continue to exist until your time comes to an end. This is something which obviously it's a very simple idea. That's everything. As long as you have a belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the creator, then that's everything. There's nothing that is beyond the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anything that is in existence would have been graced in this way, in both of these ways. So now, let's open this up a bit and understand how this grace comes about and how these gifts and how they manifest and the purpose for which they manifest. So what this is referring to, uh, the first part is ni'matul ijad, ijad, awjada yujidu ijadan, which essentially means to bring something and make it mawjood, to make it exist, to make it come into being. Now that means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed this object, whether it be this microphone, this book, or us, or the jinn, or whoever it is, allowed them to become manifest and appear from the universe, the hidden universe, from wherever we were before, into this universe where we can be witnessed and seen. So before you were here, you were in some other universe. Being in this universe, now you can be seen. We can be recognized. Another way to separate those two concepts out is we come from the universe of the command of Allah, where things are just waiting for the command of Allah. Allah hasn't given it the command of kun, of be, so there's nothing yet, right? All of us were there before. 
where we were nothing. So we were still suspended under the command of Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed us to come into the alamul khalq, the domain of creation. After Allah said, be. This is really essential stuff. This is really, really basic ideas. Another way to look at it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had us first in alamul arwah, in the abode of souls. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed us to come into this world, this abode of forms. Number, th- number four, we came from, initially we were within the abode of Allah's power, meaning something that Allah had power to create but had not yet created, had not exercised his power on, but had the ability to do so. That's where we were first. Until we came into this world of Allah's wisdom. What wisdom is there in you and I being created? Coming out of that place, that abode into this abode. And yet there's another way to look at this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that took us out of the abode of predestination. We were just predestined to be and allowed us to come into the abode of being where that predestination now has been realized and we have decreed to be here. So, essentially, before we came into this world, there are two things. I'll just repeat them. Number one, we were, before we came into the world where we could be witnessed, we were in the unseen world. Before we came into the created world, we were in the world that was waiting for Allah's command. Before we came into this world of forms, we were in the world of just souls, where it was just a soul and there was no form. Before we came into this world, for whatever wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is in creating us, we were in the world or in an abode that was within the realm of his ability but he'd not exercised his ability to bring us in this world yet. And likewise, before we were in this world of being, we were in the world of predestination. So that's kind of complicated, but it just gives you an understanding of where we, where we were and the fact that we're here means there was a decision that was taken for us to be here. That's the ni'matul ijad. That is the first one that he talks about, which is the grace of existence to allow us to exist. Then the other one, which is about imdad, which is a continuous one, that after Allah allows us to be here, He is constantly supplying us, constantly giving us the energy, giving us the, allowing the blood to course through our body, allowing our, us to take breaths, allow us to take in air, allow us to having to have the nutrients, allow us to consume food, allow it to be processed, allow it to give us energy, allow us to continue to see and to do what we need to do and live this life and allow our heart to beat and our mind to function. That is all imdad. That is basically where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now taken responsibility after He lets us come into this world to look after us and to keep giving us that life, to continue supplying us until we're going to die. And that's anybody and everybody. These two, these two types of graces, they're for everybody. For the denier, for the believer, for the rejecter, for the grateful one, and for the ungrateful one. They're for everybody and they're for everything and every object. So, the human being, what sets them apart then? If this is a grace, provide to everything. These two graces are provided to everything then was it, what is it that sets the human being apart, the insan apart? Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the human being has gathered and combined two opposing forces. And we're constantly fluctuating and can fluctuate between these forces. So I'm saying that while the wisdom sounded very simple, but it can be really opened up, and you have to pay attention to this one, right? 
So it really tells us about our genesis. What makes, sets the human being apart from the lights on that wall, from the structure around us, from the chandelier, you know, from other, other creatures? Allah has then added two components, the ability to vacillate and uh, go between, fluctuate between two opposites, light and darkness. Believe me, there's a lot of people today that are in darkness. They're in a very dark world. They're in a very dark place. And that doesn't mean that they're in a dark place in the sense they have no light. They don't have lights they can turn on. They have all the lights in the world. They're sitting in front of lights all day. But the light is the light. The darkness is the darkness of misery, of despondency, of concern, of grief, of worry, of feeling helpless and hopeless, feeling good for nothing, feeling no accomplishment, feeling at loss, defeated. It's a very bad place. Or being in sin, that's another dark place to be. Constantly engaged in sin. So there's no light in their life. The other one is human beings. Another two things Allah puts in human beings is what you would call his subtle nature of the human being, the delicate nature of human being, and what you would call the opposing factor to that, which is to be heavy in a spiritual sense, to be heavy and not to be light in their burden. Human beings, if they were not provided these two first benefits, these two first graces, then we would have remained in unexistence. We would not have been here. And we would not have been able to benefit from this form that we have, this creation that we have. We would not have had even a soul or anything of that nature. So how does the human being supersede everybody else, all other creations? What is the quality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided in the human being that gives them the ability to surpass all other creation and then to have a life beyond this world? Because it will only be human beings and the jinn that will finally have an eternal life, paradise inshallah, or otherwise hellfire. Everything else will be turned into dust or will just not even appear in the hereafter. Animals will appear but then be turned into dust. And other things, objects, they probably won't even be around. So what is it that human beings, despite the fact that we all share in those things, so that is what it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fitted a component in us that allows us to recognize Him. It's the component of ability to recognize their Creator. The ability to actively recognize their Creator. And that is where the quality of the human being, the, 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 the merits of the human being comes alight. And the the way to achieve this is with effort, is with effort, uh, different types of effort, whether that be mental effort, physical effort in terms of worship and devotion, and of course psychological and spiritual efforts to get the mind right first. Without knowledge, this would be very difficult because it's only with knowledge you'll understand what to do and what to avoid and what to make an effort to do. Then comes the efforts and that's the physical efforts. A person, a human being then, with the efforts will eventually reach a stage where they can witness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything, which is the reality of this world. We just said it at the beginning that Allah is the one who has graced everything in this world with existence and then continuation. And the successful one is the one who's realized that, who's finally figured out that yes, this is only there because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You come out of your house. Right, you come out of your house, you're going to take a walk to the masjid. It looks overcast. You think it could rain, but the app tells you that it's not going to rain. It's exactly what happened. Right? And as you start walking, you don't have a jacket. And suddenly you hear, you, you feel a few drops. And you think it's going to rain. And I'm going to be soaked by the time I get to the masjid. So... You start praying, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. 
which is the dua that the Prophet ﷺ made. Oh Allah, around us, not upon us. That's the dua the Prophet ﷺ made for rain. He, people, they were, there was a drought, so the, they complained to the Prophet ﷺ in Juma. Prophet ﷺ made dua for rain, so then it rained, and it rained, and it rained. So those people came, there was a person who came the next Friday and says, uh, Ya, ya Rasulullah, all of this has just, you know, being submerged and it's just too much rain. So the person said, okay, Allahumma hawalayna wala alayna. Oh Allah, around us, not upon us, upon the mountain tops and so on. Because we need the rain, but we just don't want it upon us. We don't want to drown in this and we don't want everything to be destroyed in this. That's exactly what happened. So you read that dua and suddenly the, the drops don't continue. Right? They don't continue. So you start thinking, that's because of me. I read this dua. And then you start thinking, what am I? Allah, the whole nidham and the whole system He has. I'm a little, out of all of these creatures, just within a hundred feet around me, there are so many creatures. From insects, you know, to human beings and everything else. And Allah is looking after all of them. And they, each one of them is important. So what is it me that I make a dua and this happens? And then you think, of course, if Allah wanted, He could just let it shower. And I would be soaked in a few moments. Then you carry on, and you're just about a hundred steps from the message. Alhamdulillah, I've reached. I've nearly reached. Now if it rains, and then you think, Allah, if He wants to let it rain and shower and just let it go, and as they say, just chuck it down, you would be completely drenched. Even if you had just, what, a hundred meters to go. That's the Qudrat of Allah that you have to constantly be in touch with. That's the Qudrat of Allah. That's the awareness of Allah. Like that's just a bit of awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you have to be in touch with. Right? To constantly be remembering Him, to understand His power, then His grace and His power and His grace and His mercy. And you have to be able to feel that and interact with that. That's what Allah wants from us. May Allah make it easy for us because there's a lot of distractions. So that's what he's saying, that Allah has given the human being this ability to do this. So he's saying that as soon as you become blind of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his ma'rifah, it, it's like you become your spiritualness, your spirituality rather, it gains a thick cover. There's a thick veil. And every time you make an effort to recognize Allah and know Allah, that veil thins. And thus it's easier for you to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only reason we can sin is because that veil becomes very thick and so we, we, we don't see him. We don't focus on him. We're not aware of him so then we can do the wrong. But if that veil is thinned, then how can you sin when you are seeing and knowing somebody's watching you? So it's this latafat and kathafat. That's what you call it. It's a thickness and this thinness. Right? Of this veil, you can call it. And that is directly related to the light and darkness. As the veil gets thicker, the darkness increases. Even if you're in a room full of light and disco lights and everything, that's darkness. It's not the right place to be. So every time the darkness lessens, which means the light will increase. And every time the light will decrease, then the light, then the darkness will increase. This is very different to angels. They're in a more static state. Human beings are not in that static state, except maybe prophets and so on, or anybody that Allah has graced. But we are not innately like that. That's not our intrinsic state. But angels are like that. They're made of light and they're constantly in that state. Very static of awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says, لا يعصون الله ما أمرهم They never disobey Allah in what He's commanded them. <clears throat> they do exactly what Allah has commanded them. Then in Surah Al-Safat 164, Allah says, وَمَا مِنَّا About the Malaika, وَمَا مِنَّا إِلَّا لَهُ مَقَامٌ مَعْلُومٌ There's none of us except that they have a known uh, station, known place. Now, you see, the difference is, there are glass. You've got glass. Now glass doesn't take too long to polish. You polish a bit and then it's polished. Because it's a very simple idea. Glass is a very simple idea. Right? And as opposed to that, you get certain gems like the diamond and the ruby. You polish it a bit and mashallah, 
its shine comes out. And as you continue polishing it, it actually becomes better and it becomes superior, right? I don't know if anybody's in the gemstone business, but <clears throat> it's very different to glass. Glass is very easy to do and it's done. But when it comes to, and then it can't go any further. You can't get glass to look any better than it is. There's a limit to it. Whereas when you get these special gemstones, the more you polish them in certain different ways, the better they become, the superior they become. What that means is that the angels are like glass. They're very easy to polish, but that's it. There's just one simple level for them. Whereas for the human being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it that you can actually continue to polish yourself until the day of judgment, until you die and become even better and better and rise and rise and rise. Because you're going towards Allah and Allah is infinite, so there's no limit of how close you can get to Allah because Allah is infinite. I know that's a bit of a complex idea, but that's when it's to do with Allah, it's infinite. Because Allah is not limited in any way. Insan, the human being, if a human being had stayed in that world, in those first abodes, and not been brought into this world, then you would not have been any more superior to anybody else. What difference would there have been with an animal or anything else? It's only the fact that you've been able to come in here that you can make all of this difference and reach that high status. The people we're speaking about here are those who make it to the elect group. When you're comparing angels and human beings, then it's not really a straightforward comparison. So the way they've made a comparison between humans and angels, because you've got Jibreel salam and so on. I mean, how do I compare to Jibreel salam? doesn't matter what I do. Right? So, the understanding here is that the discussion here is in stages, is in levels. So, the elect and the highest level of human beings, who are they? The prophets, the messengers, the anbiya and messengers. They are superior to the highest angels. So, all prophets, Musa salam, Yusuf salam, Muhammad salam, Ibrahim salam, will be superior to Jibreel, Mikael, Israfil and all the elect angels. Right? That's their hierarchy. And that's their status. However, those elect angels like Jibreel and so on, they will be superior to those humans beyond the prophets who are considered muqarrabin and the close ones to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those angels will be superior to the non-prophets who are Mashallah, up there. That's the muqarrabin. As Allah talks about the three groups of people in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, for example, the muqarrabin, and then the general Ashabul Yameen. Even in Surah Al-Rahman, there are two paradises mentioned, those for the muqarrabin sabiqeen, those who are ahead of everybody else, the elect group, the winners, the champions, and then the others who are righteous. Thereafter that, these higher human beings, after the angels, as after the prophets, you know, the very close ones, the Arifin, Muqarrabin, they are superior to the rest of the angels in general. Right? Because they've, they're the ones who've worked hard to get where they want to get. Right? Then the general angels are superior to the general human being. So when you are comparing a general human being that has not tried huge make a huge effort to recognize Allah and so on, well, angels are going to definitely be better than them because they've never disobeyed Allah. And these people have probably disobeyed Allah. But then you make an effort and you become a, rec a, a knower of Allah and suddenly you become better than the normal angel. But the elect angels will always be better like Jibreel a.s. Right? They are only surpassed by the prophets. But that's fine. That's good enough. There's no competition between Jibreel. I sometimes get these questions. Um, what about if I'm jealous of the Prophet ﷺ's maqam? Is that kufr? It's like, how are you even jealous? Like, where are you even getting this idea from? How can you be jealous of the Prophet? Everything you've got is from him. So how can you be jealous of the Prophet? You can't be. It's like being jealous of my father, that he's my father and I wasn't his father. It's like a crazy idea. Like, where do you even get this question from? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now, now put it in perspective, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first graced you, O insan, by giving you the gift of existence 
and thereafter that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was compassionate with you and Allah cared for you, He loved you so that you would increase in your quality that allows you to become superior to other, other creations and your, the, Allah, the bounty that Allah, the gift that Allah wants to give you, the full gift Allah wants to give you, that can be completed upon you, not just the gift of constant sustenance and existence. That's just basic to everybody. The additional bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you after existence, after the mere existence, let's open that up a bit. And this is quite amazing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides everybody at two levels. Well, can provide at two levels. One, I think everybody has. The second one, not necessarily everybody. The first grace that Allah provides everybody in terms of sustenance is the physical one, is the one that you can feel and so on. That is essentially, you know, your mere existence, flesh, blood, life, breath, heart, beating, blood, everything until you die. But the other one that he provides, which is of essence and substance, right, is the sustenance of the ruh. People forget it's the body we're focusing on. Alhamdulillah, my body is fine and I'm fit and I'm not unhealthy. So we think we're fine. But what about the ruh and the spirit? That's the only way. That is what gives us, takes us out of the darkness and gets us into the light. So what is the sustenance and nourishment for the soul? It is yaqeen. It's the light of conviction that yes, there is God. And I am a servant. I am safe. I know why I'm here for. I'm not here just to enjoy myself. I'm here to know. I'm here because it's a sojourn between you know, where I came and where I'm going and I've got somewhere further to go, I can enjoy myself while, uh, uh, while I'm on my purpose, as long as I know my purpose. Then Allah provides him with knowledge, with uh, science, with knowledge of the sacred, it's the sacred sciences actually, that which gives you better understanding of who your life is and what it is, right? And, and gives you more understanding of the secrets of this life and the best way to get things out of this life and so on. Now, this gets a bit more complicated. As I said, Allah provides this sustenance in two ways. One is the physical and the other one is the spiritual. And I've just described the spiritual. Physical is our body, keeps us sustained. Uh, spiritual is the knowledge that He gives us, the iman He gives us, the yaqeen He gives us. Now that is also split into three different categories. So don't lose it. right? So the spiritual assistance that Allah gives us and grace He gives us is split into three different categories. Uh, to different people, I guess. The one category is the one which neither increases nor decreases. It stays quite, stand, uh, stays quite stable, you could say. And that is what He gives to the angels. Remember, we're talking about all everybody here, not just human beings. We're talking about everybody. That's what He gives to the angels. Angels are very, very stable. They can't disobey Allah. But they can't increase further either. Like they're quite steady in where they are. And they, they're happy with that. And then after that, it's that which can fluctuate. That's not the angels. That's going to be human beings. Humans can fluctuate. I said that right from the beginning. Humans can fluctuate. They can go into the depths of darkness. Right? Depths of darkness in terms of their belief, in terms of their practice in terms of their feeling, in terms of their relationships, everything. Or they can go into light. They're making a mistake somewhere if they're going into darkness somewhere. So that's why they have to come into the light. And that is the human beings, general human beings. Now among them, obviously, among them also there is this, the most stable one, which is to the special human beings that have made an effort. Just the same as angels, he gives it to them so they stay relatively stable. Angels can never fluctuate. These people become stable because Allah allows them to be stable. But they could fall. This is human beings. They always can fall back down. But Allah grants them stability. Now, among them, obviously, those who are messengers, the prophets, they don't fluctuate at all. They don't fluctuate much at all. They have, though they're human beings, they don't fluctuate. But then the um, awliya, the, the huge awliya, the big awliya, the very close awliya, they become they're in that same category that they don't fluctuate much either. Now, anybody who's 
related to these people, who follow these people, who stay with these people, who love these people, they're also going to continuously increase. That's the beauty. We will, con inshallah, we will continuously increase. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has constantly been with us. Now just think of Allah's grace. And I'm going to open this up and hopefully this will give us a better understanding of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so focused on each one of us, how He's designed the whole system to allow us to be where we are and inshallah to be even further than where we are before we die. So this is what it is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of everything. He designed the system in which He could bring us into existence. And then He designed a system in which we could be nurtured and we could continue and we can be sustained. So we started off where, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us in these little minor forms. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested Himself to us. As Allah mentions in the Quran, Surah Al-A'raf, around one, verse 172 or so, Allah extracted the progeny of Adam salam from him and then he manifested himself to them and said, Aren't I your Lord? And they said, Of course we are. Of course you are. You are our Lord. There was no way they could have denied that because they were in a very pure realm. So that's what happened first. So Allah started off on that, on that note that he showed us who he was and he made us recognize who he was. That's how he started every human being off. So Allah gave you recognition of him and you recognized him. Allah manifested himself and you witnessed him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then makes you, gives you the ability to speak and confess and believe. So then you can believe in Allah and you can confess that he is your God. And you say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. That's a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be able to say that. Allah subhanahu wa so that was all done in that covenant we took when we were still, you know, in this other realm. Now what happens is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places us, places our seed, right? After that experience at Adam alayhi salam's time, then he placed everybody's seeds in the loins of Adam alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then looked after all of these generations, these hundreds of generations from Adam alayhi salam all the way down protecting our seed and everybody's seed as it goes down in this system, beautiful system that he created. Constantly throughout in all of these people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was providing them. Allah was sustaining them. It's a long journey. And Allah has looked, at, looked after us. You think we just came out of nothing? If we came from Adam salam, many, 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 many generations, millennia ago, Allah has looked after for all of these millennia, all of our forefathers. Suddenly, we are a bit bigger than we thought we were. We're suddenly, inshallah, more significant than we thought we ever were or going to be. Then after that, finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed us to be inserted into the womb of our mothers. Finally, it's going to be the time for our arrival in this world. So that seed, finally, Allah knows exactly when. He says, okay, it needs to go into the mother. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now there's a very special attention. Maybe there Allah was taking care of lots of people together, lots of seeds together. But now when you're in your mother, it's only one person or two, if it's a twin or three. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now sets a whole system up during that fetal stage, that embryonic stage and the womb of the mother. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the womb completely facilitated for this. A place where you can grow, a place in which you can get your sustenance and your life can develop there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then has the egg and the sperm meet in that very cozy place, in that perfect system. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to come together. Many come together but then they don't survive or many just don't come together. And that one came together because that was the one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted for you to come into the world with. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows that to grow and to develop into a clot of blood and then from that into a piece of flesh and from that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts shaping you. How do you get shaped from just a rough clot, rough clump of flesh and suddenly you start seeing it within four or five weeks, you suddenly start seeing these arms protruding out, 
and legs protruding and there's a torso and there's a head and so on. Thereafter that comes a time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally takes your soul that he'd already created before your form in the, that domain of souls and he designates the right one for this body that's going to be yours. About, when is this? About uh, 120 days or so in the womb. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made provisions in the womb and allows the women, in fact, has the women set up for this, that every month they have a cycle, right? So that they can remain healthy inside for them to be able to have the babies, you know, to be able to sustain the babies that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow them to grow in themselves. Now Allah lets you stay in there until you, to strengthen you in there, until you become strong enough to survive in the world. So your limbs and that become stronger, they become better formulated and so on. And until finally you can come out into this world and appear in the world where you can finally speak for yourself and recognize Allah. You can finally come out after all of that huge journey. And then you can start seeing things and see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifest in, in His attributes everywhere. And then you can recognize, wow, wow, Allah has cared for me from that time until now. I'm not just somebody who appeared 40 years ago or 30 years ago. I am much older than that. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He allows you to drop into this world, appear in this world... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you cannot eat rough foods. He knows that you can't start eating rough, you know, whole foods that older people eat. You don't have teeth yet. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then creates in the mother, right, all the beautiful women of the world. That's huge purpose of their creation. Allah grants them the ability to feed you with pure milk with pure milk and not only that Allah places in the mother a special compassion a special mercy and a special ability when women see children who are hungry other people's children Allah has given them this amazing quality this emotion this feeling that they would want to, you know, they'd be willing to feed that child. Allah has given that ability to them. So Allah allows them to produce this milk to be able to feed, feed us. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets the father more involved. And he better start earning a living. And start preparing and facilitating, providing a home, providing a cozy place, a safe place, a safe abode. The father's responsibility has always been there to prepare for that and to do that even while the mother was carrying the baby. Allah places in both the father and mother that special compassion and sometimes uh, the Prophet ﷺ even talked about that becoming a fitna. That children can sometimes become a source of your miserliness because you want everything for your children. There's some people today who are completely settled in terms of having homes that are without interest, you know, that they own. But for their children, they are taking huge interest loans. Themselves remortgaging their house and taking upon them the wrath of Allah. That's extreme. Now, what is all of this except Allah's mercy? Can you not see through the mercy that a mother has for her children? That our mothers, inshallah, had for us. And our fathers had for us. Can you not see how Allah is merciful? And this is all part of His compassion that He didn't have to do this. And all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told you to do after that is just recognize His rububiyyah. Just recognize that He is the Rabb, the Lord that's allowed you to come from all the way back there to now. So now suddenly our lives have become a lot more richer than 40 years old or however old people are, 35 years old or 20 years old or 7 years, seven years old or 60 years old. It's a, where a lot, you know, the planning was from a much earlier. 
So in reality, all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from you is to just recognize what happened, the reality, what you went through. So his rububiyyah, which means his nurturing us, his lord, his lordship. And he just wants you to understand that he is the one that you should be turning, turning to. So anyway, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it a responsibility for the fathers, not the mothers. The mothers have done their job. I mean, they still have that, they still continue, but the bigger responsibility now is to provide for you, which means hard cash, money, sustenance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made fathers responsible to then sustain you until at least you become mature and for girls until they get the marriage. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a responsibility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also obligates the father to have that uh, compassion and to look after their children to do the best for them. And most fathers do, some don't. And any person who's not had that compassion from their mother or from their father, they're generally very destabilized. They have a lot of rage, they have a lot of problems. That's why this is so necessary. And, but people mess up, that's the problem. Now, the other thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also did after we came into this world is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, we're not going to write anything against you from what you do until you become mature. Gave us a grace period to learn, to observe, to be taught. Gave the parents responsibility to teach us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I'll give you a grace period until you're 13, 14 years old. Now, even after we become mature and we become responsible, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues, and he's continuing, this is where we are right now, right? Most of us are in that stage now until we become old. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, until we become middle-aged, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to bless us, nurture us, and sustain us. Now when we finally get to old age, senility, right? Decrepitude maybe, old age, then then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will want us to, eventually we will be buried. We will die and we'll be buried. Our time in this world will have finished. Then we'll rise on the day of judgment and you will then be driven to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll be gathered. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then want us to stand in front of Him. Finally, after all that, long journey. And Allah knew every single one of us from Adam Ali, from before. And finally, we're standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then after that, if we're very lucky, inshaAllah, and we've worked well, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us safety and delivers us from His punishment, and inshaAllah enters us into the abode of His rewards. And then after that, we're still not there yet. We still haven't had our full satisfaction. Remember that. Because if anybody who's recognized Allah like this, they're still not going to be satisfied. They can have the best things of this world, but they will not be satisfied because their satisfaction is their ardent love for Allah, so they want to see their beloved. That's why they go to the Makkah. Why do people go to Makkah? You can worship at home, but you go to Makkah to show your devotion. That's why you do things there like a person in love. You wear two garments and you go around the house of Allah. What else is there in going around the house of Allah? It's just like a person who loves somebody, they're going to go into the area and just walk around there. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what you do. You stay hungry for Allah. That's our fasting. We pray five times a day, but then once a year, Allah wants us to stay hungry for Him. And those who understand this, they, they get the best out of it because, hey, this is what we wanted. This is, mashallah, this is what I wanted. I'm close to my beloved. So then eventually when, inshallah, everything is successful in the hereafter, He gets us into paradise. We've got everything in paradise. And Allah says, what else do you want? Well, even the last person who's going to come out of hellfire, the biggest sinner, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eventually lets him go in paradise and said, all of that is yours. And he turns around to Allah. It's mentioned in a hadith of Muslim. He says, you're the Lord of the world and you're messing around with me? Like you're rubbing it in. You're saying that this is all yours, but it's not mine. I'm like a sinner. He says, no, this is yours. This is all yours. And in fact, وَمِثْلُهُ مَعَ Or ten times the size of this world. That's the last person out of hellfire who had some belief, who did that recognition who had that awareness, but never did any goodness besides that. So, eventually when everybody's in paradise, or when people are in paradise and they're enjoying everything, then Allah is going to come to him and say, have you got everything you wanted? 
Yes, we have. Do you want anything? No, you've given us everything you got more than. Because everything Allah has given them, when they go into paradise, for so many years, they're just going to look and be dazzled. They're not even going to start using it. For, I don't know, hundreds of years in that time, then they're going to start getting used to it. And then Allah is going to say, have you got it? Yes, we have. Do you want anything more? No, we don't need any more. But then that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will finally remove the barriers, the veil, and allow us to see Him. And what it mentions in the hadith is that that will be greater than anything that I've experienced so far. Because you've finally seen your Lord. Can you understand the importance of Allah now? That is what the whole system has been made up for. To recognize Allah so that eventually we can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then every Friday you'll be able to see him. And that will be your day in paradise. In paradise, you, everybody's mesmerized by paradise. Everything in paradise. But the highlight of paradise are those Friday meetings with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah said in Surah Al-Qamar, إِنَّ الْمُتَّقِينَ فِي جَنَّاتٍ فِي مَقَعَدِ صِدِقٍ عِنْدَ مَلِيكٍ مُقْتَدِرٍ These are the muttaqeen, these are the righteous ones. May Allah make us among may Allah make us among them so now think about it which one of the bounties of Allah can you deny as Allah says in the Quran now that you've seen so many bounties and which of the bounties of Allah can you even thank him for which one are you going to start thanking him for from the time of Adam and before that to now all of those stages which one are you going to thank him for that's why in Surah Al-Nahl, Allah says, وَمَا بِكُمْ مِن نِعْمَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ Any bounty that you have, any bounty, every bounty that you have, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So just know that you can never come out, nobody can ever come out of Allah's grace. Right? Nobody comes out of Allah's grace. I don't care what the atheists say, they just turn a blind eye to how the world came into being. That's what they do. That's the way they deal with it. But if you're going to really be true to yourself of seeing where everything is and the purpose and the, the, the rhythm, the system, the perfection, there's no way you can deny that. They're just denying it. But denial doesn't change the reality. That's why majority of the world are always believers. Right? Because that's the reality. So which one can you deny? Can you ever be out of the ihsan and the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So then just to finish this off, I said... That part of this spiritual benefit that Allah provides, right, is going to be the ni'matul islam, ni'matul ihsan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly blessing us with uh, the feeling of mercy, the feeling of being blessed, and the feeling of being close to Him, the feeling of ecstasy, the feeling of a spiritual high, and all of this thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant, grants us. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pray, uh, praised for that. So that's what this means now. Let's see what Imam Abdullah al-Gangohi says about this, how he sums it up for us in a few words. He says, The grace of Allah Most High limitlessly descend on every creature. However, there are two graces that are common to everything. The first is the act of creation. Everything was non-existent prior to its existence. By the generosity of Allah Most High, the gift of existence was bestowed. He thus created the object and eliminated the non-existence. Secondly, after coming into existence by way of creation, everything is wholly dependent on the aid of Allah Most High for its endurance and sustenance. For this need, it is dependent on Allah Most High in every moment of its existence. Should Allah Most High withhold His aid, everything will again return to the state of non-existence. He has created different ways and means for the existence of different objects, for example, for animals and humans, he has created water, food, etc. But remember, as we highlighted, this existence didn't start from when our mothers gave us birth. It started a very, very long time ago. Now, I've never contemplated it that far, right? That just suddenly makes us much more important people, much more important creations of Allah. But Allah, Allah allow us to understand that importance and to fulfill that importance. So, وَآخِرُ الدَّعْوَانَا أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تباركت يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت 
سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله يا الله have mercy on us يا الله يا الله have mercy on us يا الله forgive us يا الله purify us يا الله cleanse us يا الله pardon us يا الله overlook our misdeeds our transgressions أو الله our distractions our denials أو الله we ask that from the for the rest of our life we become closer to you than we've been before. Oh Allah, every subsequent day, allow us to recognize all that you have granted us. Allow us to recognize as much as we can your true position. Oh Allah, your maqam. Oh Allah, allow us to understand how much of a value you have provided for us, how much of an opportunity that you have given us, how much of an honor that you have given us the ability to attain over other creatures in this world. Oh Allah, do not allow us to be among the deprived ones. Oh Allah, despite the fact that you've given us this ability to surpass other creatures, oh Allah, do not let it be that on the day of judgment we're worse than those creatures. Oh Allah, we're worse than those other created beings. Oh Allah, allow us when we stand in front of you to want to meet you and you want to meet us. But oh Allah, above all, allow us to be in Jannatul Firdaus and finally experience the beatific vision experience our meetings with you on the Fridays. Oh Allah, allow us to do that and allow us and make and facilitate that. We constantly try, but Ya Allah, we try in the morning. By the evening we have failed. We try in the evening, but by the morning we have failed. Oh Allah, strengthen us, grant us steadfastness, grant us understanding, bless us with beneficial knowledge. And O oh Allah, allow us to repent for our past and make the rest of our life better than the previous part of our life. O oh Allah, bless all of those who are here, who are listening, those who have facilitated. And O oh Allah, those who assist in any way, shape or form. Allah, grant the best to their families and to all of our progenies. O oh Allah, keep Iman in our hearts and allow us to be aware of you. Allow us to become of the elect human beings in your sight. Elect human beings in your sight. Oh Allah, there's a rush in this world right now to become high achievers from a worldly perspective. Oh Allah, grant us attention to become high achievers in a spiritual perspective, from a spiritual perspective. Oh Allah, make this easy for us and facilitate for us. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين ورحمته جزاك الله خير for listening may Allah سبحانه وتعالى bless you and if you're finding this useful you know as they say do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others جزاك الله خير والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته